Good morning. Um, Happy Easter. Uh, If you've got a Bible, go ahead and open up to to Exodus chapter 7 this morning. Exodus chapter 7. And we're going to be reading the first 13 verses of Exodus chapter 7. Starting in verse 1, it says, And the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron shall be your prophet. You shall speak all that I command you, and your brother Aaron shall tell Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go out of his land. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and though I multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, Pharaoh will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt and bring my hosts, my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great acts of judgment. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the people of Israel from among them. Moses and Aaron did so. They did just as the Lord commanded them. Now Moses was 80 years old and Aaron 83 years old when they spoke to Pharaoh. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, When Pharaoh says to you, prove yourselves by working a miracle, then you shall say to Aaron, take your staff and cast it down before Pharaoh that it might become a serpent. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded. Aaron cast down his staff before Pharaoh and his servants, and it became a serpent. Then Pharaoh summoned the wise men and the sorcerers, and they did the the magicians of Egypt, also did the same by their secret arts. For each man cast down his staff, and they became serpents. But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. Still Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not listen to them as the Lord had said. Would you pray? Father, thank you for your word. I thank you for Easter. I thank you that you are not dead, but you are alive. I pray today that you would speak and that you would use these words in Exodus chapter 7 to soften hard hearts and to save today. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Now there there are times in our lives when, when we don't know what to do. Right, And we would like for someone to, to tell us what to do. Um, if you're a married man watching this, you know exactly what I'm talking about, where, where there's times where your, your wife will ask you to do one thing and then she'll kind of vaguely hint that she wants you to do another thing and you're kind of going, well, I, I don't know what she wants, right? Just, just tell me what to do. Just, just tell me, right? Just tell me what you want. We need that clear directive from time to time that says do this or do that. But if we're honest, most of the time, we don't like being bossed around, right? We, we love to take the attitude of nobody tells me what to do. I'll be honest, over the, the last few weeks, seeing the different lockdowns in different states, I've kind of been thinking in my head, they shouldn't be telling people what to do. They shouldn't be telling people to do that. In fact, but before I came to, 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 to do this sermon today, I read where they're, they're starting to take license plate numbers. Uh, in, in Kentucky to see who's violating the lockdown order or not. And so in, in my mind, I'm going, man, that's, that's not right. And, and although I get it's for protection and safety, in the back of my mind, I keep thinking, man, if that was me, they wouldn't tell me what to do, right? I'm going to stand my ground. I'm going to do what I want. How do we react when God tells us what to do? See, this is going to be the issue in our text today. Pharaoh is the most powerful man in the world, and nobody tells him what to do, especially the God of slaves. Back in chapter 5 of Exodus, whenever he's confronted with the name of the Lord, Pharaoh says, who's the Lord that I should obey him? I don't know this Lord. 
And, and I think when we, we, we look at the Exodus story, especially if you've grown up in church, we, we tend to see the Exodus story as a fight between Pharaoh and Moses. But that's really not what's going on at all. Really, the showdown is between Pharaoh and God. And so the issue in the book of Exodus is not will Pharaoh listen to Moses, but will Pharaoh listen to God? And I know as we read this at first glance, it may not seem like it's, it's an Easter message, but it is. And I hope that I can show you that today. So look with me, if you will, again, in Exodus chapter 7. Look at verse 1. It says, And the Lord said to Moses, See, I've made you like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron shall be your prophet. You shall speak all that I command you, and your brother Aaron shall tell Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go out of his land. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and though I multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, Pharaoh will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt and bring my host, my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great acts of judgment. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the people of Israel from among them. And so right there in verse 1, he says, I have made you like God to Pharaoh. Now in the Hebrew, this literally says, I have made you God to Pharaoh. Our translations put in the connecting words like uh, or as so that we don't misunderstand what it means, right? They, they don't want us to think that, that Moses is a God or that Moses is deity. But, but what it means is that Moses in his relationship to Pharaoh is like a kind of deity, so, so when he stood before Pharaoh, he spoke with divine authority. God himself was speaking and acting through Moses. See, Pharaoh considered himself divine. The, the Egyptians believed he was God on earth. And so what the author is saying is if Moses is like God to Pharaoh, then guess what? Pharaoh must not be God. See, one way that Pharaoh would recognize Moses' divine authority is that Moses had a prophet, Aaron. So Moses spoke for God, Aaron spoke for Moses. He was the prophet's prophet. Pharaoh did the same thing. He didn't speak to people, right? So when people came in and asked him a question, he would listen and then he would lean over and he would tell it to a spokesman who would then speak for him. And the reason he did it was it was to put distance between himself, right? He's deity, and the people that he's speaking to, they're just mere mortals. They're humans. So when Moses spoke through Aaron, he would have recognized Moses was claiming divine authority. And see, in our story, Pharaoh is about to be humbled by the true God. Right? He, he thinks, who is God to whom here? I'm Pharaoh. I am God on earth and you're just some old man shepherd trying to free a bunch of slaves and you march in here like you're God to me? Humility is something that we should all have. And some of us will embrace it willingly and others will have it forced on them. And this is the case for Pharaoh. And if you read in, in verse 3, verse 3 says this, but I will harden Pharaoh's heart. And though I multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, Pharaoh will not listen to you. Now, now that's a difficult text, isn't it? That God says, go tell him to let my people go. But listen, he's not going to listen to you because I will harden his heart. And, and even though I multiply my signs and wonders, even though he's going to see all these amazing things, he still will not listen to what you say. 
And over the next several chapters, we're going to hear that Pharaoh's heart became hard, that Pharaoh hardened his own heart, and that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. All of these are, are, show, are ways of showing that Pharaoh is responsible for the sin that he commits and the hardness of his heart. And at the same time, is under the authority and sovereignty of God who purposes to harden Pharaoh's heart in order to show his own glory. See, the point is, is that nobody is calling the shots. Pharaoh's not calling the shots. And check it, Moses isn't either. Right? I mean, God has come to Moses and said, hey, listen, Moses, you're 80. Your whole life has been leading up to this moment. I want you to be my messenger and to go and preach to the most powerful man in the world. I'll be honest, at my age, if God told me, then sign me up, baby, right? I mean, I want to have an audience with the most powerful man in the world. I would love to have an audience with the president. I would love to stand in front of somebody like that and to be able to preach and talk about Jesus. And this is what happens. Hey, Moses, go preach to him. And, oh yeah, hey, listen, by the way, he's not going to listen to you. Moses' job, our job as Christians, is to share the gospel no matter the results. God had a purpose to glorify his name, and it did not involve the salvation of Pharaoh. And that's humbling. It's going to be humbling for Moses, but it's humbling for us too. God has a plan that is good and right, even with those who oppose him. So listen to me, Christian. We should pray for the lost. We should evangelize the lost. But there are times that God's purposes do not involve the salvation of those who have hardened their hearts like Pharaoh or those whose hearts God has hardened. And we have to take both of those perspectives seriously. Tim Chester in his commentary on Exodus says, Pharaoh determines Pharaoh's actions and God determines his actions. To put it another way, Pharaoh freely chooses to do what God had freely chosen that he would do. Well, Byron, what about, what about free will? We'll talk about that more in Exodus, but for today, for today understand that, that as Kevin DeYoung says, Exodus is much more concerned about the freedom of God. Is God free to do as He sees fit? Is God free to have mercy on whom He will have mercy? Paul says in Romans chapter 9, verses 14 through 18, What shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part? By no means. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very purpose I have raised you up, that I might show my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So then, he has mercy on whomever he wills, and he hardens whomever he wills. God is God, and he does as he sees fit. But there's another aspect to this. See, Egyptian culture wasn't much different than ours. Believe it or not, the Egyptians believed in works righteousness. 
Right? Let, me, let me tell you what that is. That's the idea that you can be a good person, do good things, and somehow get to heaven. So the Egyptians believed that, that when you died, you, your heart would be weighed against the feather of righteousness. And if your heart was bad and full of evil deeds, it would tip the scales down and the God of death would send you to destruction. See, we do that too. Right? We think that then when we get to heaven, if we just have more good deeds on this side, then we have bad deeds on this side, and the scale tips down in our favor, then God's going to let us in. And friends, listen, that is not the way it works. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death. So put another way, one sin is enough to condemn us all to an eternity in hell. There is not one single person watching this who will have enough good deeds on the scale to justify your salvation. God's showing the Egyptians and the Israelites that He will be God and He will be the judge. He's making very clear that Pharaoh's heart, as Daniel 5.27 says, has been weighed and found wanting. Pharaoh would not stand in judgment over Yahweh. Yahweh would stand in judgment over Pharaoh. And maybe you're watching this at home today, and this is what you need to hear, is that there is a judgment day coming for you and me. And not one of us will be able to stand in front of God in our own righteousness. Not one of us will be able to stand up there and say, hey, look at all the good things that I did. Right? Look at my church attendance. Look at my track record of good deeds. Look at all the money I gave away. Not one of us is going to be able to do that. And even the best among us, when we do that, God's going to look at us and go, yeah, that's awesome, but it's still not enough. Not one of us will be able to stand in the place of judge. Not one of us can judge God. He will judge us, and we will all be found wanting. Verse 6, Moses and Aaron did so. They did just as the Lord commanded them. Now Moses was 80 years old and Aaron 83 years old when they spoke to Pharaoh. Now up to this point, Moses has argued with God every time. But, but something's changed in his heart now. And from this moment on until the last foot steps uh, across the Red Sea, Moses will do all that God has called him to do regardless of the consequences. And it's the same for us Christians is that we're called to tell others about Jesus. We're called to, as Ephesians 4.1 says, to walk um, in a manner worthy of our calling. Right? To do the things that Christ has called us to do, to pursue holiness and sanctification while we rest in His grace, and to trust in Christ regardless of the outcome. But I think this is a great verse because it's an encouragement to older Christians. Moses was 80. Right? He's a senior citizen. He's getting the discount at furs, man. He's got it good. He just turned 80, and his life's work is just now beginning. Moses had 40 more years of service ahead of him. Dwight Moody said that Moses spent 40 years in Pharaoh's court thinking he was somebody, 40 years in the desert learning he was nobody, and 40 years showing what God can do with somebody who found out he was nobody. God wants to work no matter your age, no matter how young you are, and listen to me, no matter how old you are. See, maybe your whole life has been preparation for the last half of your life. And that's a great encouragement 
in the scriptures. Verse 8. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, When Pharaoh says to you, prove yourselves by working a miracle, then you shall say to Aaron, Take your staff and cast it down before Pharaoh that it might become a serpent. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded. Aaron cast down his staff before Pharaoh and his servants, and it became a serpent. Then Pharaoh summoned the wise men and the sorcerers, and they, the magicians of Egypt, also did the same by their secret arts. For each man cast down his staff, and they became serpents. But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. Still Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not listen to them as the Lord had said. So, all right, guys, you guys go to Pharaoh. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. He's going to ask you to prove yourselves by working a miracle. And when he does, Moses tell Aaron to throw down his staff and it will become a snake. They go to Pharaoh. Sure enough, he's like, hey, I don't know who this is. By what authority are you doing this? Hey, I want a miracle. Prove yourself. And Aaron throws down his staff and it becomes a snake. And Pharaoh's watching this going, all right, you got tricks. I got tricks too, boys. All right. And he calls his boys in and then through demonic help, right? Demonic help. They throw their rods down and they become serpents as well. But then I love this. Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. See, there's there's a whole lot more going on here than just one snake eating two others. In the Egyptian creation narrative, the sun god took the form of a snake to create the world. The Egyptians were fascinated with snakes. In the Nile Delta, where the Hebrews lived, the Egyptians built a temple in honor of the snake goddess Wadjet. Pharaoh had a snake crest on his crown, and it believed that it gave him power, sovereignty, and protection. Their security was found in the snake god. But in putting their security in this god, they made an alliance with the great serpent Satan himself. Every time a new Pharaoh would ascend the throne, he would take the crown and say this, O great one, O magician, O fiery snake, let there be terror of me like the terror of thee. Let there be fear of me like the fear of thee. Let there be awe of me like the awe of thee. Let me rule a leader of the living. Let me be powerful, a leader of spirits. By saying that, they offered their soul to the devil. So when Aaron's snake ate the other snakes, God was once again showing Pharaoh that he is the true God and that as the true God, he has power over nature, power over Egypt, power over Egypt's gods, and ultimately power over Pharaoh himself. See, what Moses and Aaron are doing here is not some political bridge-building exercise. What Moses and Aaron did would be the equivalent of you or I today rolling into the Oval Office with a bald eagle under our arm, and as soon as we get in there, taking that bald eagle and wringing its neck right in the middle of the Oval Office. That's what they were doing. And this, is, this imagery is not lost on the Egyptians. As the symbol of Pharaoh's power was swallowed up, the Lord God, Yahweh, is God. He's saying, I am God. Pharaoh, you are not. But if you look at verse 13, it says, still Pharaoh's heart was hard and he would not listen to them. Pharaoh wants a sign. He gets a sign and he still doesn't listen. And this is how it all ties into Easter, folks. Pharaoh's hardness of heart 
is a warning to anyone listening who has witnessed God's power but refuses to receive God's grace. And you might be thinking, well, I haven't seen God's power on display like that. And listen, you probably haven't. I I get it. You haven't seen somebody throw a rod down and it turn into a snake. But the book of Romans tells us this in Romans chapter 1, verse 20, that his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. And listen, so that they are without excuse. That He has put His power on display in the creation. And there's not one of us who have an excuse. The Scriptures also point us to this truth. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 10-12, through 12, it says, Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when He predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you in the things that they have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things in which angels long to look. In other words, we have proof of His power and of His working in the Scriptures. In the Gospel, Jesus is asked for a sign in Matthew 16, 4, and His answer is this, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. Jesus is saying the greatest evidence we have that He is who He said He was, that He is God, is the resurrection. That that Jonah was three days in the fish, but that Jesus was three days in the ground and God raised Him up again. And in doing so, He has defeated Satan's sin and death. That there is a final judgment coming. And all of our hearts will be weighed against the righteousness of God. And we will be found wanting. And the only hope we have on that day is for a substitute to take our place. The only hope we have on that day is not in our good deeds or our good works. Our only hope is Jesus Christ. See, Jesus died on the cross for us. He took our sins upon Himself. He took the full force of God's wrath for us. The punishment that we deserve, the wages of our sin, He took those upon Himself. And three days later, He rose again, showing that the check He wrote for our sins cleared the bank. And so listen to me. If you're at home watching this, as the gospel has just been preached and proclaimed, don't say not yet to the gospel. It's never safe to say not yet. God may harden your heart if you walk away and say not yet to the call of the gospel. God may harden your heart if you walk away refusing the claims of Jesus Christ. And see, today is the day of salvation. My job is to tell you about Jesus and the results are up to Him. And one or two things are happening right now as I'm preaching. And Paul tells us this in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 15 or 16. It says, For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing, to one a fragrance from death to death, to the other a fragrance from life to life, who is sufficient for these things. What Paul means is that some of you are hearing this message of the gospel and God is calling you to salvation. 
that he's taking your hard heart and he's giving you a heart of flesh. And listen, if that's you, please call a friend today and say, hey, how do I become a Christian? Message us, message us on Facebook and ask us, how can I become a Christian? Somebody would love to talk to you. Some of you are listening to this message and you are hardening your heart like Pharaoh. And what I want you to know is that God will get glory by your life. Whether it's by you being an object of his judgment or it's whether it's you by, whether it's by being an object of his deliverance. He will get the glory. And so the choice is yours today. Trust in Jesus. Now to my brothers and sisters at home, today should be a day of rejoicing and celebration. And the coronavirus has disrupted our lives. And this is not the Easter that any of us have envisioned. Right now, I am in a room all by myself. This is not what I pictured for Easter. But what we should know is that the coronavirus is the least of our problems. There is a greater virus called sin. And that affects our hearts. But Jesus has saved us from the power of sin. That Jesus has taken our place and rose again. Jesus has delivered us from the devil's power. In Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 through 50, it says, And you who were dead in your trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh. That was all of us before Jesus, right? He says God made alive together with him having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demand. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in the cross. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57 says, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So listen to me, today we can rest knowing that our sins have been forgiven and Jesus is alive, that he's defeated death, that he's conquered Satan, that he's taken away the reign and power of sin in our lives. And one day, one day, he will return and bring us to a new heaven and a new earth. A land full of pain, free of pain and sickness and a disease. A place where we will live with Him forever. Listen, Christian, that is where your hope is. That is where my hope is. We have been given a greater sign than Pharaoh, and that is the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for Easter Sunday. I thank you that the grave is empty. I thank you that death could not hold you, that sin had no power over you, and that you have risen again, and you have defeated Satan. You've defeated sin. You've defeated death. And that is the ultimate sign that we have as Christians, that you are exactly who you said you are, that you are God. Thank you for what you've done for us. Thank you for this Sunday. 
I pray that if anyone doesn't know you, that as this message has been preached and proclaimed, that today you open their hearts and you saved them and that they would tell somebody. For my brothers and sisters, thank you that you've delivered us from the curse of sin. I pray today that they would rejoice and be glad in what you've done for us. That our greatest problem, it's not outside of us. It's not this virus that has disrupted our lives. The greatest problem we had was sin, and you took that upon yourself. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Love you guys. Happy Easter.